What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Derek Terry, joined by Sean Smith. Sean, how are you? Doing well, Derek, and today's episode is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub, with two locations in Palmville and Williamsburg, Kentucky. It is now officially Wing Wednesday, Derek, with the zombie sauce, the buffalo sauce, all those wonderful, delicious sauces that you can get at the Butcher's Pub. It's 75-cent wings. So get out to the Butcher's Pub tonight, enjoy some wings, and then uh, get back out there tomorrow night, too, for some Thursday night NFL football between the Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns. But we have a very, very exciting episode of Kentucky Daily today, Derek. We're going to be joined by Vince Merrill. We're excited to have Vince on the show. Uh, always a, a fun interview and someone that every time he comes on to a show seems to move the needle a little bit. So we're hoping that uh, you'll enjoy that. It's a pretty, pretty lengthy interview, really, in terms of interviews that we typically do on the show. It's a little bit longer than some of the others. Yeah, we, we always record the interview first, and then we come back and sort of do an intro and enclosure and everything for it. So it's it's a really lengthy interview. I think we got close to 18, 20 minutes out of it. Uh, so we're not really going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into that, and then we'll come back and wrap things up. So here's Kentucky coach Vince Merrill. Vince, we're now 10 days until the season opener. With, with everything that's sort of happened over the last five to six months, just to get to this point, how excited are you to see this team take the field here in 10 days? Oh, very excited. And, you know, i got to give a lot of credit to our administration, our president, Dr. Capilouto, uh Mitch, but also our medical staff. Uh, I think our numbers have been pretty good in all the testing we've been doing. Of being back here, and then also I got to give Coach Stoops a lot of credit just how he managed the team through these last six, you know, four to five to six months. Uh, guys have bought in, and uh, you know, for the most part, they have stayed, you know, social distance and and kept themselves in a good place being outside of football. Vince, uh, we hear it all the time out here. Uh, people want to know if you're going to the tight ends more. This season, you got a full room in there. Uh, a lot of guys who can make plays. You expecting them to be involved a little bit more this year in the passing game? Yeah, you know our, our tight ends over the year have been very uh, unselfish. You know, it's, I go all the way back to CJ. I mean, he had the ability to catch forty to fifty balls a year. And if you break down our film over the last couple of years, you know he he sacrificed a lot in the run game and and pass protection and. You know, and don't get me wrong, our old line is pretty good, but, you know, I'm going to have to start standing up for these tight end guys because, you know what, they are 99% in the run game, and, and a lot of our things we do, you know, includes them. And so, you know, now that we have nothing against Lynn Bolton, uh, you know, one of the best players ever played here, but now that we have Terry back and Bo and Joey, uh, we, we have – 
a guy that can get the ball out to guys. And I, and I think I do got a very uh, talented room. Everybody can do things different. Uh, you know, Justin is your more all-around complete tight end, you know, good in-line blocker, uh, can catch the option routes, you know, things in that make uh, play action. Keaton is more of an athletic guy that you can, you know, get into a personnel and treat him just like a wide receiver. He can run the vertical routes. He can run corner routes. And the guy that's really been a surprise is, is Brendan Bates. And I think you heard Coach Stoops talk about another day. I mean, honestly, <laughs> he's just as good or even better than these other guys. He's really playing good right now. And it's good to have guys like that. You know, when I had CJ here, there was nobody really behind CJ. And CJ basically commanded that position for four years. Now it's, it's guys that, hey, if you slack and they know the other guy can come in there and, and, and take their job. So it's a lot of pressure on Justin. But Justin is my study guy. He's a, you know, he's a senior, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy to have him. Vince, this freshman class has been getting a lot of praise. We've heard Vito Tisdale's name. We've heard Bo Allen's name, Jaton McLean. How impressive is that class been in practice? And there's some guys that can make an impact early for you all. Yeah, it's been – you know, over the last couple of years, i say since 2016, we were able to reassure a lot of guys because of the talent we have. And actually, this is our most talented team coming back. But this class that we have now that came in, is, it is. It's some talented guys. I mean, you can go from the D-line to Oxidine, uh, Justin Rogers, uh, you know, uh, the guy from Mississippi. Uh, man, what's his name? Uh, from from uh, Mississippi. Uh, it was Josiah Hayes. Josiah, yeah, he's doing well. Uh, you look at the receivers. A guy, you, you know, I ain't talked about he ended up having to be out for a couple of days, but uh, Isaiah Cummins is really going to be a guy that I think, you know, he has that size, kind of like a mod. He's going to be a guy that's contribute. And then, you know, you have uh, Donut, who's really going to be a good player. I don't call him Donut. I call him Michael Drennan until, you know, he really proves something. And I just look at the 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 Vito. You know, Mike Edwards gets mad at us when we compare him to him, but Vito's a very savvy, uh, smart football player. And then another kid that you ain't been talking about, but I know our defense is very excited about is uh Carrington Valentine. He's like a guy that's gonna play this year at corner. Uh so, you know, the whole class is talented, but we we, we there was a couple guys that actually was gonna, you know, play as freshmen. So I'm excited about that. This will be the uh, last go-around for Terry. He uh, obviously is coming back from that injury, and most of the reports that we've heard out of fall camp have suggested he's been you know, looking pretty good, fast, and everything like that, like he was before the injury. How excited are you to see him one last time this year? Dude, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was, me out of all people, I was a little worried about Terry being, you know, that rehab and that it was a very uh, bad injury. But i got to be honest, he actually looks – better than what he looked in 2018. He looks faster. He's he's, he's throwing the ball uh, real well. Had a great practice yesterday. I, I don't see, and I think I heard Coach Stu say this, and I'm, it's not just Coach talk. I don't see no effect from his injury, man. He looks, you know, I watch when he cuts in practice and might get a little like, uh, but he's, dude, he looks, he looks very, very good. So I'm excited about that. And, you know, when I when I recruited Terry two years ago, uh, he comes from a great family, and I just think Terry really is going to be a guy that's really going to be the X factor for us this year. 
Vince, with, with everything being such a weird year with COVID and everything, and there, there's a lot of schools around the SEC that are breaking in new head coaches, new coordinators. When you look at the continuity on your all staff with Brad, Eddie's been here, Henshaw's been here yourself, how much do you think that helps, that you all know each other so well and given a weird year where you know practices were different, the summer was different, how much do you think that plays an impact? I think for us offensively, uh, we the core has been you know me, Eddie, Henshaw, and, and Swarman. We 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 we've been here and we all know each other. We know how Eddie works. Uh, we know how uh, we all feed off each other. And then getting Bo Knight, I really do think he's going to be a great addition. He's very very skilled and technique in his work. Uh, I think having Coach Stutes. And, you know, now I have Bafano who actually been with us since we got here. Now he's a position coach. And then y'all guys forget about Clink. Clink's been here since 2016. Uh, it is. I mean, having the same coordinators, the same uh, recruiting coordinators and guys that can the, the, the core four of your staff being in pack now for four years, uh, I do think. And I think what people underestimate, Mark Stoops' longev- uh, longevity of being here uh, eight years, I think, is he the second Longest or third longest coach in the SEC now? I think he's somewhere up there. Yeah, he's tied with Malzahn, uh, and those, those guys are both behind Saban. Yeah, so I, I just think, you know, and then bringing guys back, you know, like CJ and uh, Lex, uh, a lot of these guys who have played in this program, they know how we work. Uh, I can I can leave my room and, and deal with NFL stuff and deal with, you know, stuff, uh, administrative stuff, and, and really feel confident that, you know, CJ is going to do. You know, he knows he's just like me. He knows how I think, you know, things of that nature. So I do think that's a big, it really is a big plus to have continuity like that. And, and I, I just, it's going to show next week. You know, we, we get at it next week. I know our guys are very excited, so I'm looking forward to it. Vince, I know you're not allowed to specify names in recruiting, so this is more of a general question, but – with the way COVID has affected recruiting, it seemed like still in this 2021 class, you guys had seen a lot of your commitments, a lot of your targets in person, whether it be uh, last year at a camp or setting or something like that. And I know for 2022, you've seen some kids as well, but I, I got to feel like there's probably that class will be affected more by this kind of shutdown on the trail. Um, because of that, do you think maybe, and, and the fact that kids haven't been able to take visits, do you think that might slow down? the decision-making in the 22, process, or 22 class a little bit with how long those kids take since they've not had a traditional recruiting process like classes before them? 21 was because we always recruit a year ahead. We knew pretty much 90% of that class. And, and it was and, and it, the good thing about it that Kentucky had about seven guys that we needed to zero in on and, and have been around. And then you go over to our, our neighboring state, Ohio, you know, a lot of them guys have been on campus. They've been around. I think the tricky part is going to be the 22 uh, class. You know, me and Brad were just talking about this yesterday. I think more getting guys to commit far away who, who don't have no – never been on campus. I think if you get a commitment from them guys, it would be hard to sustain it because what happens is they, they, they may commit, but people going to say, well, you never been there, and then soon they open it up, you know, they may go somewhere else that's closer. I think with the Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, um, Michigan, a lot of them kids have been here even in the 22 class. So it's we 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 have to do our 
a lot of work, but I really feel good about, like, in the state, I don't know if you guys, I mean, y'all follow recruiting, there's about six or seven guys again in the state of Kentucky uh, that we have to get, you know, very, very serious on, like, and we already started since September 1st. And then Ohio is loaded this year at 22. They, 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 it's pretty strong in 22. So it is going to be a challenge. I think a lot of film, a lot of information. Uh, the NFL is dealing with the same thing. They can't come out. So it's going to be a lot of – you really have to depend on a lot of people who in those states that you trust uh, to do your evaluation. Vince, I know you uh, watched Benny and Bud Monday night. Uh, they were impressive. And it's one thing to have guys drafted, but what does it do for the program when you have guys making plays in primetime moments in the NFL? How, do, how does that help pitch on the recruiting trail even more? I'll tell you this. It was funny. I was watching the NBA basketball last night. For the last two days, it seemed like the logo for UK has been really uh, strong in the last two days. I mean, you take Benny and Bud, and then, then last night you look at Bam and you look at – Murray, and you look at, you know, a lot of them guys that played here. Uh, it is. I think it's a marketing tool. But I'm so happy for Bud is Bud. And and I think Bud is going to really make some serious money after this year. But guys who have known Benny, that's been around Benny, we are not shocked. I mean, you got C.J. Conrad. I mean, he's sitting in my office now. His teammates, they're not shocked what they seen last night. We know that. And nothing against no other running backs on their roster. I just feel Benny is going to wear his sleeve on his heart, and he's going to, he's going to put, you know, I think Pittsburgh is the best fit for him. It's that type of mentality, that type of city. They're going to love Benny. You're starting to see that they already, you know, a lot of people call for Benny to be the guy. So, yeah, we were very excited. I know we all text. I text Benny that night and uh, just told him how proud he was of him. Uh, which position group do you expect to maybe have the biggest improvement from? Last season to this season, I know it's a little hard to project this. This early. I'll say receiver. Yeah, I'll say receiver because I think the tight end group was pretty uh, pretty solid even last year. Uh, o line, very experienced. Running backs, very experienced. D line, very experienced. Linebacker, you know, we of course we lost Chris, but I, I would say the one I have to look at is receiver and linebacker, and I say linebacker, linebacker depth. So, but I'll say receivers. I, just from what I'm seeing from camp, guys are, you know, they blocking more physical. They they getting out of their routes. Uh, they catching the ball well. So I, I'll say receiver. And staying on the NFL topic for a moment ago, is it is it long past time for uh, Austin McGinnis to get his opportunity? Dude, I, you know, and, and don't take this the wrong way. Sometimes NFL people can be just too smart for themselves. Sometimes you got to look and just say, this kid percentage, I don't care they saying he can, I heard a rumor that he only can kick 54 and in or 55 and in. Okay, who gives a damn about that? Most of these fields I'm seeing miss are 38 yarders, 40-some yards. And this kid is the most accurate kid I've ever been around. Somebody going to get smart, trust me. Somebody, maybe it's going to take somebody to lose their job, but somebody going to get smart and sign this kid. I mean, he is, he, he really is a good kicker. He's money, money in the bank, and that's why, you know, hey, I'll be his uh, agent. His, I'll be speaking for him every day till he get a job. Having some of those, you know, guys like Austin and obviously now in the football facility, Courtney, Bob <coughs> there, CJ's back as a grad assistant. Just, what's it like having those guys uh, 
still around now. Obviously, they've moved into different roles, um, but still guys who are very important pieces to, to building this thing at Kentucky. I really believe our program changed in 2015. Now, don't get me wrong. 13, we got a recruit here. 14 was the biggest class we signed. But I really believe in that 15 class, we, we signed some leaders, future leaders. And that was really the backbone that got us to all them bowl games the last three years for them guys. Uh, having Courtney and CJ back, you know, they from around where we from, where me and Stoops are from. We know, you know, it's, it's like in coaching when you coach a kid. Uh, I had a position coach who did the same thing for me. Um, coach Levy was like, you need, you need to get into coaching. You just get that personality. I've seen the same thing about CJ. Uh, I really believe he got robbed. I think they would have never came out with that stuff at the combine. It just set him way back behind. But Courtney and CJ are pretty much similar. Uh, they were good friends in college. They 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 really really are like me and Stoops. Uh, you know, like I said, I can leave my room and I can trust CJ. You know that he's going to say the same thing that I say. Same thing with Courtney being in his position. In I mean. They they just think like us, and uh, I think it's a bonus. I think it benefits the players. Uh, sometimes you can be good cop, bad cop. Uh, sometimes they feel comfortable, you know, talking to them guys. So I think it's going to be a, a blessing. It's a real blessing to have them guys back. Last question I have for you is um, in relation to, to COVID uh, and that being something that we all expect to test the depth of the program a little bit more. With the way reps are kind of being distributed in, pro- in practice, does that kind of allow, I guess, you to see more players in a fall camp setting than you normally would, if that question makes sense? Yeah, we had an unprecedented time right now with football, and, and I think Stoops said it best. Uh, you know, one of the coaches was like, yeah, we got to get the twos and get the twos rep. And he's like, no, I'm talking about threes and even fours. I mean, this thing can wipe. And I think the good thing we have done – I think both coordinators have done on both sides of the ball. We have been going with threes and some fours. I mean, in my room, if one guy gets hit, I mean, I, I got at least three or four guys prepared, definitely three guys. On our D-line, there's there's probably about nine or ten guys. Offensive line, there's about nine, ten guys. Receiver, there's about eight guys. So you got to have you, – you, you vary in a strange situation now, but you better rep them guys and them guys – could be up in week two, could be up in week three. It's, just, it's no different from even in coaching. I mean, you can lose coaches, you can lose coordinators, you can lose the head coach. It's just things that now we got to be prepared for. Vince, how are you managing that in position groups with contact tracing and things like that? Are you are you sort of trying to keep guys away from from one another unless it's on the field? No, we have in our, in our rooms and now more smaller groups, like I have seven guys. So we just have in our my meeting room just – spacing. Guys are five, six yards apart. But normally where the old line would meet at, now they would meet in the team room, the more bigger groups. And we have now moved guys out of, everybody's not meeting in their meeting room. Some people are meeting over in the stadium just for the size, you know, capability. So, like I say again, dude, if you trace every school doing COVID testing, I think we have really came out pretty good. Now, we just took another one again this morning. I mean, dude, it's like three times now. So we took one Sunday, took one a day, and we're going to take one Friday. But you got to commend our players. They really have bought in and really trying to keep themselves safe. Uh, last question for you. Lynn Bowden's now in Miami. Uh, what do you think about that fit for him? 
So being the NFL liaison, you know, having all these titles, one thing I did know was Miami was very – I actually thought it was going to be Miami that was going to draft them in the second round. Everybody did their homework. But Miami seemed to really be involved with him and really, really – I knew when the draft was going on, his agent, we was talking back and forth. He said, hey, Miami had like, I think, three picks in the second round or two picks in the second round. He's like, I think Lynn going to go here. And then when he went went to – the Raiders, I think Miami was going to take them in the third round. I just know this. I mean, them guys get paid a lot of money. I got a lot of respect for Coach Gruden and all that. But some things you just got to look at and say, Lynn Bolt was not a running back. Lynn Bolt ain't never picked up a blitz pickup. I mean, you 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 saying you want this guy to change who he is. I mean, all you do is watch the film and see who the kid is from high school to college. He's a kid with the ball in his hands. He's going to make plays. Uh, he's a good kick returner. He's a good punt returner. But he's not a running back. And I think Miami's seen that. They did a lot of work. That's why they traded for him. I really believe he's going to have a good career there because he's going to play the positions that benefit him. Good stuff, as always, Vince. We appreciate you taking some time to join us. And best of luck with this team this season. Thank you, man. God bless you guys. And like I say, stay safe. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. That was associate head coach and recruiting coordinator Vince Merrow. Derek, a very solid interview. I thought he gave us a lot on those NFL guys, uh, position groups that he thinks going to stand out. And then I think he was sort of transparent with some of their, their COVID stuff too. The, a lot of things that we're, we've not been getting from from others. Yeah, you know, I thought it was interesting. And, and it makes sense. He's talking about the offensive line room, how with, with a room that big, they don't have their just their typical meeting room anymore. They're having to take the team room so they can spread out properly. Uh, it's just it's just a different year, and I, I think at this point they're probably getting used to it. I would say just because they've been doing it for so long. But I kind of listen to him talk. It sounds like they maybe bumped the testing up a little bit more now that it's almost game week three times this week. Um, probably. Not something that those guys look forward to, but at the same time, when you're getting tested that often, I mean, you're going to catch anything that's happening really quick, and that's what you have to do pretty much. I mean, three times a week's pretty pretty good number there, and they're all taking the, the protocols and everything, and I have to agree with him. We've not heard as much, I guess, from, from UK. They do release their numbers. Um, what was it, Sean? Maybe once every three weeks or so, UK will send out an email with the numbers, but they've done yeah. a good job, though, and he, he said that when you look around the league, he thinks they've done one of the better jobs, and I would say they probably have. I don't. I mean, they've had like anybody else. They've had some positions hit, but at the same time, they've not been in a spot where they've not had thirty guys, you know, able to practice. And I think UK's return to play had fourteen positive COVID nineteen tests on the latest one, Derek. And that's not all football. That's that's volleyball, all the sports. So Kentucky has managed this a lot better than some of these other programs. You you've seen the reports that you know. 
Auburn's been sort of hit with it for it feels like three weeks now. Auburn's been dealing with this in the news. We actually talked about Auburn, I think, two weeks ago on the show about their COVID numbers. We know Tennessee had like 44 or 45 guys mispractice and didn't even, I don't even think they were able to scrimmage. So Stoops has had to alter some things with scrimmages. We talked about it being in the secondary yesterday, but Vince Merrill said they got tested again this morning. So is that that's the third time since Sunday? Is that what he said? So, well, I mean, it will be by Friday. They'll also be tested, so it'll be Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. So, I mean, they're staying on top of things. And now you see, you know, the Big Ten's going to return to play, I think, October 24th is the day for that. Uh, it's kind of – I'll ask you this about the Big Ten. We didn't ask him about anything like that. But when you look at this college football season, it's like pieces scattered everywhere. And I think this is what I was getting at on Monday's episode where now it feels weird because the SEC hasn't played yet. And now, you know, the Big Ten's still out here in its own little thing a month away, more than a month away. So what does this look like when you do piece it all together? Well, I've seen people today, one of the first kind of things that have been talked about because the Big Ten's only playing eight games. And people are saying, how in the world can you put them in the playoff? And I'm just kind of like, you might be optimistic to hope you can even get to that point at, at this point. Like, I'm just – I'm taking this thing week by week. I know that's like coach speak during the season. It's literal this year. Like, you're going to take things week by week, hope that nothing happens to cancel this season. Because I think it's going to be – if they can get through all ten games, I think it will be just a supremely job well done by everybody involved. And – if we can get to a point where you can argue about who deserves to be in and who doesn't, that that will be a great thing because I think there's just so many challenges out there right now that I'm not even thinking about. I'm not even thinking about bowl games, Sean. I'm just like thinking like you got the ten games that you have scheduled so far. I hope that they're able to just play those. Anything yeah. other than that would be a bonus. Yeah, you know the the SEC championship game I think is the uh, that's the one that you want to look at first. Just get to that, have a winner of that, and then see it all play out. Because right now, I mean, clearly everything's going to have to be delayed. The Big Ten starting so late. Who knows what the Pac-12? Like, will they decide to join the party? I don't know. Will they feel pressure yeah. to do it? Well, it's also worth mentioning out there, they've got more going on than just COVID. I mean, they got the fires out there. It's you know, They've got fun. a lot going on that, that other parts of the country really aren't dealing with right now. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see because the Big Ten starting so late, it's obviously going to move that college football playoff selection show that's, I think, set right now for December 20th. So them starting October 24th, there's no way that you finish football in that date and then that time frame. And everybody, too, it's going to be hard, Derek, too, to even get to that point because one conference is playing 11 games, the other conference is playing 10 games. I don't know how you look at that and sort of manage, I guess, fairly, what happens? I don't know. I mean, obviously the Big 12 didn't help themselves by going out and losing to, you know, Atlantic Sun teams or Sun Belt teams. Well, you would have the Big 12. I mean, whether these teams deserve to be in or not, if the Pac-12 doesn't play, isn't the easiest way just to take the conference champion from every Power Fives? You know, there's Power Fives this year. Just take – and I know there's going to be arguments to be made. Somebody might go 9-1 and one in the SEC and not get in, and I, I get it, but, like – I don't. How else are you gonna compare strength of schedule and things like that? I mean, I just feel like this year, someone's at the sacrifice. We keep using that word because it's true. Like, if you're gonna do a playoff this year, does that make sense to you? That's what I would do. I think just take the take the four who win the conferences. 
I've actually always thought that if they ever expand the playoff to like eight teams, that it would make sense to take the five power five conference winners and the three at large. Like that's just the, uh, the automatic qualifier. Yeah. Cause I just feel like most of the time though, in, in this sport, it ends up being that team anyhow. Like it ends up being the ACC champion or the SEC champion. I mean, very, very rarely do you have a situation where someone really gets upset in my mind. I can't I mean, really think of a lot. Well, think about the brands. Like most likely you would have Clemson, Ohio state, Oklahoma or Texas, and then probably Alabama or Georgia or Florida, maybe like those are all big schools. Like you're going to be in a spot where people would be very interested in all those. And I know the big 12, that's kind of their thing to get in there and just get destroyed by an SEC team or whoever in the first round. But those are still, I mean, Oklahoma, you look around, I mean, they send a lot of guys to the NFL. They have good talent. Like in a year like this, I mean, in a normal year, I would have been in favor of like telling the big 12 to like get lost this year, just because of how bad it's been in the playoffs. And, I do think some other schools would probably play a more competitive game, but for this season, take the four, take the four teams. Whoever wins the conference championship, you know, I would like to see that become a thing. Like now, though, uh, and it probably won't. But like, let everybody know what they're playing for this year, basically. If you are going to have a playoff, and and one thing here quickly before we wrap up, the Big Ten will play eight games, and then every team will play a ninth game determined on order of regular season finish: one versus one, two versus two, etc. That's from Ross Dellinger. Uh, that was from uh, Wisconsin AD Barry Alvarez. So another difference. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed this episode of Kentucky Daily. We did throw in two fan questions there, so we will continue doing some things like that. Be looking for the mailbag episode tweet to go out. We'll answer those on Friday's episode. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll see you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.